0: the city's talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concourse ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news, and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves. And freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American car Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road, Road Muscle Radio is on the air. From the magnificent Cowlick Media offices located in my basement, welcome to Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves. And I am Brett Hatfield. Buckle up and be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook, on Twitter, and at RoadMuscleRadio.com for links, our blog, the events we can find, and of course, all our podcasts. Are right there. You can find them right there. All of them. It's tingly. We have a plethora. (laughs) Coming up in this episode of Road Muscle Radio, we've got an eBay Corvette that we missed, maybe like a bullet, a collection auction that'll drop your top and your jaw. How classic car prices are breaking records and my heart. Oh, I know. And then putting muscle to work for your business and how the Bronco may buck your urge to tune it. Maybe it's not impossible.
1: (laughs) What have you been doing for cars this week, Brett? Well, I started digging into that god awful Mercedes I own. Isn't that kind
0: of a tricksy one? That's the 12 cylinder. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: a, it's that six liter V12. And, you know, God bless the guys at Mercedes. This was one of the last cars that Mercedes ever did engineered without cost in mind. Oh, they, okay. w- they wanted to engineer it for ultimate outcome. And granted, <laughs> when everything is just right on that car, there is nothing else like it. It is extraordinary how good it is. Getting everything to be just right is – Son of a bitch. It, oh, my god. It's an exercise in masochism. It's terrible.
0: Or is that son of a beak? No, it is.
1: Well, here. Keep in mind. The car new was $144,000. That is $224,000 in today's dollars. Yeah. I, I looked it up. It's worth about ten, maybe on a really good day. No, no, no. They depreciated like a stone. But th- that thing sold four years old for thirty five grand.
0: Well, isn't that like some of those Audis I've been seeing uh, that are fairly recent? Is it the, something like an E6 or something that's really nice looking, fairly recent, but... If something goes wrong, it's a nightmare to fix oh, anything I, uh, because they're just so
1: over-engineered. Yeah. Call our friend JR. Let him tell you about oh, – yes. Let him tell you about <laughs> Audi complication. If you watch any of the stuff that he does online and his watch JR go on YouTube, if you see any of the repairs he did to that Audi R80 head, he got that thing out. Oh, my God. That was like complex for the sake of complexity. You know, It went down, 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 down. And it's recently had an uptick to get back to 10. Uh, Haggerty price guide shows that as being more collectible now. That's why I started jacking with it.
0: Is it just the metal in the sheer curb weight that gives it more value (laughs) if you scrap
1: it? It is. I'm telling you, when everything's right on that car and you get in and you close it, it has soft closed doors. Oh. So you, you, you pull them shut to a point and then it. A vacuum pump pulls them shut the rest of the way. The only thing
0: that thumps is inside your ear when the pressure changes.
1: And it does because it has double-pane side glass. Oh, my God. Double-pane? Yes. That thing is dead silent when you're driving it until you stick your foot in it. And then the howl of that 48-valve V8 or V12 (laughs) coming on. No, no, no. no. Let me get back to what I was saying. Uh, It was expensive new. It's only worth 10 now. But the parts and the labor to fix it still reflect that. Of a $144,000 car. Yeah, yeah. So when I go to look for a seatbelt retractor on the driver's side, it's 900 bucks. Oh, my God. What? For a seatbelt retractor? Oh, yes. Jeebus Chrysler. And it has amazing German complexity to go with it. So when I take it apart and I'm working on it and I'm cussing and my fingertips are all cut up, you know, that's, that kind of thing. Uh, it has a, an ABS, well, no, a BAS. All it's, BS. A, it, it's Mostly BS, uh, BAS, it's a, a brake activation sensor for emergency stops that will throw the brakes on all at once. Okay. And that's the same uh, module that runs the... The traction control, which normally wouldn't be a big deal, but it's a 400-horse car with t- – it doesn't have giant monster supercar steamroller meats on it. So if you stick your foot in it a bit, even on dry pavement, it will light them right up. Oh, baby. And it does the same thing in rain and it does the oh. same thing in snow. <laughs> pickup does that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you kind of need to have that thing in place. It's $1,500 if you can find it. So Damn, uh, I was feeling a little masochistic, work on that, got it out of my system. Uh, <laughs> detailed the truck a little bit, uh, constantly searching for that, uh, that uh, dream car, that 65, 66, Nassau blue Corvette ragtop, yeah. high horse four speed knockoffs and possibly side pipes, got to be a blue or white interior, if you find one. Uh, yeah, what is it? Uh, uh, Brett at readthedriven.com? That's right. Send it, <laughs> Bread at readthedriven.com. Yeah, absolutely. Or you can get at me on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm the guy with all the car <laughs> stuff spewing out on, on his page. How about you, man? What'd you
0: find? Well, you know, I I was uh, all down in the mouth and uh, I
1: have changed my tactic. Well, you missed out on the T Bird. I missed out on the T
0: Bird. I missed out on this. missed out on that. The well, 66. You found, uh, you found that
1: weird Plymouth in. Bfe Kansas, where was that thing? Oh dear God! I, is that Galena or something like that? It oh, is in the oh. middle of nowhere.
0: That was at the 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 fellow, the friend of yours that uh, you found, and it was like. Well, oh,
1: and then he, I I, he, I got on and, and got the number he knew, knew of it. the car, and then posted pics of it, and it said 440 on the rear flank, and I'm like, oh cool, it's a 440, but it's a 318 with 440 trim. I think it was a 68 Dodge Coronet. Had a nice looking rear end. The, the
0: car itself on the outside looked really nice. Yeah, but yeah, I ended up uh, I did call the owner on that. That one and the price was a little more than I would want to pay for that kind of car, especially with the 318 and a front right rotor locking up. Oh, there wait was a second, if some other boo boo that was happening north and, of 55500, oh, something. well, north. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, um, you know, I guess there's a lot of sentimental value. Well, in it. he'll it, get it, it's, not he'll for get me. a settle,
1: celebrate Christmas <laughs> with that three brake
0: ride. So, what I'm doing, uh, rather than looking for my 60s, uh, because it's just not happening, um. I've decided okay, look further back. 'Cause what's what I'm finding is that some of the forties and very early fifties, especially Immediate the stuff that's six volts stuff. and the six cylinders, the flatheads, yeah. they're not they're not high priced. Dude, and there's uh, some cool stuff. Back if they there. haven't been restored, they're especially not high price as and I'm not talking restored as in you're looking at a pile of uh, rust with a uh, a little VIN number still stuck on it. No, these are some decent looking vehicles. There's a 49 Plymouth Deluxe that I want to go look at. Uh <laughs> that is well south of 5 love those curves and then uh i i need to go out while it's you know I'm, I'm doing my waiting game and i don't want to do that i want i need to go look at that uh uh 48 DeSoto you should have looked at that a long time ago you know well
1: i i still wanted that 60s
0: you know, know. kind of kicking I,
1: I wanted a little more <laughs> rah, 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 I, to I it know. but there is something to be said for those you don't see them yeah ever and it's still in my mopar you know you it, don't there's see half them ever. the dream <laughs> and it is it is the rolling definition of an antique it's a seventy year old car yeah, yeah. if you get a nineteen fifty that's a seventy year old car isn't that weird that doesn't seem like it doesn't seem possible. It's, I mean, you know, when we
0: were when we were kids, and especially me, a uh, 70-year-old car, it was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. A, and uh, not, not this one.
1: Well, when we were kids, you know, there weren't very many 70-year-old cars. Uh, <laughs> it, that's the funny conversation I had with my wife the other day. It's, it doesn't seem like uh, the year 2000 is 20 years back because 1985 is also 20 years back. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Damn it.
0: <laughs>
1: it's hell to get old, <laughs> but uh, I, okay. So
0: I was doing that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go take a look at the 49 uh, Plymouth. Plus, I've been trying to read this as fast as possible. Jeff Stunkard uh, wrote a book called Hemi: A History of Chrysler's Iconic V8 in Competition, uh-huh. and a bunch of other books. We're gonna have him on next week to interview him what, about this and kind of talk about the
1: evolution. What of the you Hemi need engine. is a Mopar Hemi. You need a car that when you stick your foot in it, will twist the frame.
0: That's what I'm. That's what I was looking for. it <laughs> could still fit my big ass in it, and uh, and so that's. It's not happening, but... Uh Dude, this this is a thick read for especially for a moron like me because you start talking about how uh, your your thingies are pointing and then the little angles the fifty three degrees. How, that. how
1: you've got the the difference between a four twenty six wedge and a four twenty six Hemi. Oh
0: my God, I am I am looking up stuff left and right just to understand what the hell Jeff's written so so that when we have him on, I'm not like a total total idiot.
1: Do you need me to come hold your hand?
0: Uh, you may <laughs> have to. Uh, I'm gonna be tell a car. Are pretty. Yes, Jeff? Oh, uh, yeah. I like Go it fast, a good car.
1: Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It's much akin to I don't know art. I know what uh, I, I like. like.
0: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, the news has been really
1: interesting uh, this whole past week. It's good stuff. There's lots and lots of things out there. I missed this one. You pointed it out to me uh, on eBay, a 1954 Corvette. A really cool car, but a really sad car. Mm. Uh, you know, not every barn find is a dream. No. There's a lot of them that were stuck Dude, in a barn for a reason. I am
0: the freaking professional of the barn find that you didn't want to find. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just left it in the barn, kind of <laughs> It's, yeah, I,
1: I can find everything that's wrong. Yep. Well, according to a listing on eBay, this guy's, uh, the listing read or reads 1954 uh, Corvette. This car has been stored in a barn since 1969. Who would put a 15 year old vet in a barn and forget about it? Can I go out on a limb here and say, when I see stored in a barn since 1969, that's the year I was born. Uh I have definitely been in a lot better shape than I am currently. I got lots of white stuff growing out of my chin. I look like I'm on my way to Santa Claus training camp. So <laughs> stuck in a barn since 1969 is the first thing that makes me go Ugh. Uh, will need complete restore. Frame and underside look good. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, does not run or drive, rolls and steers fine. I put new cokers for those not in the know. Coker makes, uh, Coker tire, uh, makes tires, uh, antique style tires for antique cars for restorations. They're biosupplies, things like that. So they'll be accurate. Uh, I put new cokers on the front and made sure the rear tires hold air. Uh-huh. So you
0: got two good tires uh-huh. and two that want to kill
1: you. Well, two good tires <laughs> that hold air long enough to get it close oh, to, ma- to the mouth yeah. of the barn. <laughs> uh some missing parts. If you don't see it, then I don't have it. I don't have any extra parts. Original six cylinder is long gone. Sorry. <laughs> okay. For At least those they were honest. <laughs> for those not in the know, the first two years of the Corvette, fifty three and fifty four, the Corvette the Corvette was kind of a partsman car. They threw it together, um, hoping to garner some interest. It was also the first car that, the first mass production car that anybody'd done in fiberglass. And GM certainly didn't have any experience with fiberglass. So they didn't have any real experience with finishing fiberglass. Oh. And lots of the, of the 1953 Corvettes, one door may have been a little bit longer than the other one, <laughs> and it didn't fit right. That's and, awesome. Uh, a lot of the edges were kind of rough, and, uh, you know, they didn't – it took them a little while to learn how to deal with it. they kind of uh, homebrew sexy. Ooh, yeah. no. Home, <laughs> homebrew ouchie. <laughs> Why do you have all those fiberglass splinters in you? Uh, but lucky, the I The guess. other thing about the first two years of the Corvette, uh, first year – Total production was 300 units for 1953, oh, wow. so impossibly rare. Second year, it was close to 3,000, and lots of those sat and languished on dealers uh, dealers showrooms because it, it the the Corvette was Harley Earl taking a stab at all the little British roadsters the servicemen brought back from Europe or became enamored with in Europe during World War II. So the MGs and the Triumphs and the Jaguars and all those that servicemen found out, oh, everything doesn't have to be a big blocky, American-made, slow-moving, ponderous lump. You could actually have fun in a car. And they wanted that, and the Corvette was the attempt to try and capture that. And in so doing, in their infinite wisdom, they imbued it with the god-awful Chevy stovebolt <laughs> six, <laughs> which, when tuned up and really, really hot rodded and stuck in the Corvette, produced yeah? a not awe-inspiring 150 horsepower. Wow! Remember, this is gross. Horsepower. Wow. Gross horsepower ratings. That is gross. Uh, it's it's horrible. <laughs> <For a Corvette. laughs> and I got I, I got a 60 Corvette with a base motor and a power glide in it, which is exactly the transmission that came in the first few years Corvette. Oh man, it's rated at 230 horse. And I would get my ass kicked. Uh, Camry would stomp me. <laughs> I would get absolutely shredded by a base Camry. So uh, not yeah. not quick. Also, first couple of years of Corvette, no exterior door handles, no windows, side curtains. Um, no exterior door handles? Nope. How did- No, uh, you reached
0: inside. So you to get in your car, you always had to have the window at least partially down.
1: There was no window. Side oh. curtains. Oh my God! Yeah. Wow. Well, one of the uh, one of the the less desirable traits of those British roadsters. That. Yeah, uh, <laughs> side curtains, soft top, no hard tops available. At least not from the factory. You could buy them aftermarket. In fact, there was a company that made them out of clear plexiglass. <laughs> If you've ever wondered what an ant under a magnifying glass in the sun felt like. The aquarium Corvette. Uh huh. Oh, and can you imagine what the rain sounded like? I like to be in a snare drum. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the, for this Corvette ad, the six cylinder being long gone might be a blessing. I'm sure you could mock it up for a small block Chevy since those bowed in 1955. The 265 became available and it was the same frame. You know, just change your motor mounts. Yeah. Uh, anyway. This uh this was a member of the first generation Corvette, so it launched more than six decades ago. Meaning, finding parts that Man are missing—no, Uh no, but there's lots and lots of Corvettes. Well, hell, they can print them nowadays. Well, yeah, Just give them some yeah. dimensions. Well, and you know, it's run through the library, run through the quick list of people who do Corvette exclusive parts: Mid American Motor Works and Zip Corvette and Acklers okay. and uh Corvette Central, and you know, there's there's play. You can find them. You can find them. Yep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it, it may be a rather extensive search, but you'll find it eventually. Uh, missing parts might be a bit of a trick, and f- keeping everything original. Well, if that stove bolt oh, six is yeah, gone, good luck. And they called it the Blue Flame Six in the and the Corvette. And, of course they did. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's sad that the engine that is gone. Uh, the fifty three and fifty four, like a, like the article said, is. Uh, that straight six engine was a two thirty five cube, three point five liter, and just gutless, just gutless. <laughs> but the price on this car was originally twenty eight grand, and then it was twenty four nine, and then he ended the auction saying the item was no longer available. I was really, really surprised to see the price that low.
0: Yeah, you know, for a – it wasn't a complete car, but there was enough no. there. Yeah. You had a good start. Yeah. And especially if you get somebody in there who's going to mod it up a little bit, there's there was a lot of money. Well, again uh, – <laughs> You can't lowball me. I know and, what I
1: got. Uh, I, know, I know what I got. <laughs> but then again, in in 1955 – they started putting small blocks home, it's so unless you knew the difference between years and what to look for, and it, it's there's very very little to tell to tell you know just on a visual visual inspection, and these things when restored are pretty, you know this, they
0: are pretty. This is sacrilege that I'm about to say here, but when I when I saw the uh, auction and uh, and the various pictures and also on the um, couple of different websites, uh, Auto Evolution and CorvetteBlogger.com, Blogger um, you know what my first thought was? Hmm. There's no engine in it. It's got all this stuff. It needs a. Oh, don't say
1: LS. Did you think LS? No,
0: electric. Drop in, you know, six or nine hundred horsepower down in oh, there, and you're you're talking no. sixty pounds.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, a I little get it. platform. Well, they didn't weigh anything.
0: Yeah, and and you know the batteries would help keep it on the ground. You'd you'd probably have to you little little bit of frame accentuation here and there. Yeah, but.
1: okay, well we're going to label you a heretic. <laughs>
0: I'll be burned at the stake later, bring your own marshmallows. Yeah, you'll be burned out of the, you'll be burned at the
1: stake. <laughs> I can't wait to see the an email on that. The, the stake will be made out of a Dana 60 rear axle.
0: From inform.com, there's another auction that's going on that uh in September, beautiful. And I think this is also right up your alley. It's in rural Otter Tail County, New York Mills, Minnesota. One of the biggest collections of convertibles is going to be auctioned off. Uh, A farmer named Ron Wendels and his
1: wife, Carol, are auctioning off most of their two dozen convertibles. I'll tell you what. If this is going on in Minnesota, I guarantee you I know, A, the auction company that's selling the cars. Oh, yeah. And the, the person who owns the auction company. And B, I will tell you that I know the guy who will be there covering it and what publication he'll be covering it for. Auction company is going to be Vanderbrink. It is. Because that's Minnesota. Yvette Vanderbrink owns that auction. I know her in passing kind of sort of a little bit. But the guy who works with her is another guy who works for Sports Car Market, and he also strings for a few other uh, publications. And he'll be writing for Old Car Weekly. I promise you, it's B. Mitchell Carlson.
0: I wouldn't surprise me. You got it. You nailed it with the uh, the auction company. The guy who owns it still owns him right now, Ron Windles, Uh He said that I have collected every car from Impala or Bel Air from nineteen fifty five to uh, 1969 Ooh, drop top. He's got a sharp yellow Chevy, classic Ford 57s at the – you know. well, I, these two cars are at the heart of any collection. They're also Fords like his 57 Ford Fairlane retractable. So he's I, got all these be- – be- oh,
1: the, the retractables are so cool. I the, was <laughs> about to say I love those and I've covered a few at auctions and they are just slick to watch operate.
0: Now, you know, me with my, my Mopar addiction, there's also a – he's got a unique story about his plum crazy 1970 Charger. Oh, of course he does. Convertible. Uh, he brought it to a car show when someone – walked up and talked to him about it being his car. The guy said, and this is quoting from the story, "This that is my car. I figured it was my car because I saw there was a pin I put in the windshield wiper bracket to hold it down when I took it up to 120 <laughs> miles an hour. It didn't fly off. That's awesome. <laughs> That's why I love car shows, man. Uh, his wife, Carol, said that Ron always told her the collection of cars <laughs> worked for her. Sure. I, I think I love this guy. Is
1: that a little like Homer uh, Simpson buying Marge a bowling ball with his name engraved <laughs> <Yeah>. on it?
0: <laughs> or donuts. huh." Uh, I would just roll my eyes and then accept it, said Carol. Uh, you just never know what he will bring home next and why. Uh-huh. The fact they're still together, folks, that's love. Uh, Ron's first car was his 1962 Chevy Impala convertible, which uh, is when he got the bug. His family yep. sold it while he was serving in Vietnam. Uh, and Wendell's had been drafted into the Army in 1968. I wonder if that's what happened with that Corvette, mm-hmm. why it was sitting in a barn since 69, because somebody... Anyway, um, he, while he had a new wife and baby at home... he. He has a lot of emotions about it. He eventually came back home but was wounded in the war. And Carol said, I remember the day that I heard he was wounded. I was frantic. And in 69, Ron Wendells received the Purple Heart in honor of his service. Thank you, sir. The Wendells now spend winter in Arizona, and his collection of cars is going to make a lot of other people happy. I'm sure it will. Sales going to be held on September 19th just outside of New York Mills. Now, I'll have a link to the auction at roadmuscleradio.com's blog. It's worth a peek. Because it's a beautiful. Yeah,
1: seeing this now, I'm going to have to ask B. Mitchell if he's already got that one nailed down. I'm betting he does. Uh, I feel compelled to bring this up every yeah. time we say something about it. That plum crazy color was originally going to be named statutory grape.
0: Oh my God. I, I just, that
1: every time, no. You just can't get your head around that, can there, you? There
0: was a There was a smart decision. All I, I, it, What was that TV show, The Ad Guys, or whatever it was? It was about those- Mad Men. Mad Men, yes. I ad, love Mad Men. That, uh, that whole kind of situation of, hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad somebody went, you know, probably not a great idea.
1: Yeah, long live Don Draper. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. The guy got to drive a brand new red Jaguar E-Type through New York City with- Christina Hendricks riding shotgun. Yeah, that's a good day. I ain't mad at him. No. Well, classic car prices are setting new auction records. Um, I mean, yay! Well, <laughs> damn it. It depends on which side of the transaction you're on, damn dude. <laughs> if you're trying to push something out, you're like, yes, yeah, thank if, you, Jesus. <laughs> if you're out looking for stuff, you're like, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in a year that's been racking up new price records for classic cars, a 1966 Ferrari 275 GTB sold for $3.08 million at a Gooding & Company auction earlier this month. Those are sexy, sweet, slick little cars. I yeah. covered one out of that Meekum auction, black with a red leather interior and chrome Barani wire wheels on it. That's a 1966
0: Ooh. car. You know, we were just talking uh, – we recorded uh, – Driven radio show, yeah. And on that,
1: how much was that hyper car? Like three point three mil. Oh, 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 you the uh, Koenigsegg Jesko. He named it after his dad. That's his dad's name. That nice. That was sweet.
0: Hey, dad. And uh, you know, you can get one of these brand new super hyper sweet mother
1: of god cars. For that much, but uh, yeah, that's nice. I'll take the Ferrari. But a '66, yeah. And you know how I feel about Ferraris. The Ferraris are sexy. They're beautiful. They make great sounds. It's uh, what Enzo considered a sophisticated engine, or a sophisticated machine. But Enzo was such a legendary dick <laughs> <laughs> that I have that I have a tough time liking <laughs> the cars. I <laughs> like the cars in spite of Enzo, but I always look at one and go. I'm not giving any money that company. No yeah, way. No. And for the record, kids, yeah, I could go swing one. Not a three million dollar one, but mm-hmm. I could swing a Ferrari. I've had opportunities. The day after I got the sixty Corvette, I had a guy oh. offered to trade me his four hundred I that was sitting on Barani <laughs> wires, and I'm I'm eighteen years old looking at this guy going. I could have a Ferrari <laughs> and in the same breath my old man will tuck tack my nuts to my forehead
0: <laughs> yes he will <laughs> uh, but, I've seen him he could do it <laughs> but, but I digress
1: <laughs> it is claimed to be a world record price that 3.08 for that 275 GTB uh, for a car sold on an online, online. auction online I have knocked
0: down over three online I'm not surprised that that's a hell of a car bring a very nice Trailer. Well, it was, it was a <laughs>
1: 275 GTP long-nose 4-cam, if memory serves. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, there's a reason. The 275 Coupe long-nose, hey, yeah. I, I have a memory. Uh, with coach work by Scalietti, was one of only 40 units that was factory-equipped with an improved in, uh, torque tube, drive shaft, and optional high-performance 6-carb intake, Jeez. which were clearly desirable features – for its unnamed new owner to lay out such a hefty sum. So it had
0: a six-pack on it. I'm down with that. I hope it had glass packs, too. Uh,
1: no? <laughs> <laughs> no? I think you're going to miss out on that. And the Kragers. Craig, Kragers, damn it. Yep. <laughs> Classic Ferraris <laughs> with good provenance are in high demand, and cars from the Italian stable fetched four of the – five top prices at the Gooding & Company online auction held August 3rd through the 7th. Bloomberg reports that Ferraris also achieved six of the top 10 prices in RM Sotheby's driving into summer online sale, including a 2003 it, Ferrari Enzo that sold for $2.64 million online, which was the previous record price for an online classic car sale. American muscle cars are punching big holes into the collectors' budgets. Now we're in my uh, wheelhouse. Yeah,
0: bring not, it home. Bring not it home. only
1: because, uh, you know, this is stuff that is near and dear to my heart, but a lot of the stuff they're about to talk about. I was present for <laughs> I was there I was in the room and got to crawl around in the car before it went thank nice. you uh, thank you Vernon Estes. yes amen <laughs> thanks. Vern thanks to our buddy Vern in July a 1965 Ford Mustang Shelby GT 350R model prototype set the overall world record for a car auction, auction by fetching 3.85 million dollars at the Mecum auction in Indianapolis a live auction attended by Bidders and your co host. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: it, it was a world record for Mustang. It's the most expensive yeah. Mustang ever sold, ever, anywhere, ever. And it happened to outdo the Bullet Mustang that was sold back in January by Meekum at their Kissimmee sale. The owner of the Bullet Mustang, Sean Kiernan, was in the room. Oh, wow. He was about 20 feet from Vern. <laughs> oh, my God. I bet that and, was a big smile and we, on his and face, And we talked too. to Sean back in January on Driven Radio, and it was kind of odd to see him. He was like... Oh crap! That's Sean.
0: <laughs> looking for a
1: new Mustang, there, Sean. <laughs> now, I think he was just looking to see if he was going to be number one or number two when, when the dust settled. Uh It was the second time this year that a Mustang had sold for more than three million dollars after the famous '68 Mustang GT that Steve McQueen drove in the movie Bullet, and was sold by Mecum Auctions for three point seven four million in Florida in January. And remember we talked to Sean and John Kramen about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That was amazing. And it, it was it was neat to see the GT three fifty R sell for more than that. That was the Flying Mustang. That was the one that Ken Miles drove yeah, a lot.
0: In the iconic picture. And yep.
1: it was also the one that uh Shelby used to test lots of their prototype parts for the GT three fifties. And Vern made a really salient point about this. Without that 350R, without that 65 Shelby GT three fifty R there wouldn't have been the mustang would have never had that sporty image sporty heritage competition heritage there would have been no other shelbys no other shelby mustangs the shelby the uh, mustang gt wouldn't have existed yeah so without that gt350r the bullet mustang never exists mcqueen would have driven something else he would have driven a porsche or a corvette or something else so that's a, a I would consider that to be the grandfather of Mustang performance.
0: You know, that's an interesting thought. What other what other uh, vehicle at that time would have worked in that role? I mean, you know, you've got your '67 and '68 Galaxies that are big, but they also had the good engines in them, and you could you know play around with the suspension. Well, you don't see
1: him doing it in a small block Falcon, no. (laughs) And the Camaro was fresh in '67, maybe a Camaro. Oh, that's.
0: I had never really thought about that. Just Maybe ar- a first gen
1: Corvette. Erase out?
0: Mustangs from the whole recipe. What the hell would have bullet driven? Corvette? No, nah, he he bounced too much, man. That would have snapped everything on it. Defenders mm. cracked, this cracked, that cracked. Yeah, um, it wouldn't have
1: been good for the vet. It would have jacked it up. Fiberglass to, doesn't to, put up with being it, smashed. well. It doesn't like it much. No, he
0: would have needed something metal, but with a you know the bigger engine, but still a little on the lighter side. Well, they already Son used
1: they already used a Mopar for the bad guy car, cause, so you don't really see it being another Mopar, which leaves you Chevy. Yeah. Or maybe something from Olds or Buick. Oh, my God. (laughs) The old Wildcat in (laughs) 85 But really, if you want to talk about uh, performance capable, you're you're left with maybe a Firebird or a Camaro. Pretty much. That's what you get down to. You want Pony Car. You want something that's got some performance uh, capability uh, but is not fiberglass. You, You get down to Pony Cars, dude, and that's your selection then.
0: The only other thing I think might have been available, and I'm trying to remember what year, was the Torino available in 67? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, but that would have have been two pretty decent, what were considered mid-sized cars at the time. True. Mid-sized cars at the time that now seem like.
0: We're so stupid. It would have been a Cougar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or an AMC, a Javelin. Yeah, but without that that GT350R, there is no Cougar. Oh, true, true. There is no Cougar. It would have been a Javelin. Yeah. There we, ja- we go. A Javelin, Camaro, or Firebird. I think that is your is your pool to pick. There you from. go. And you can take that to the bank. Yeah. Prove well, us wrong. I, again, <laughs> we digress. Yes. Uh, Meekham, Where were we? Yeah. Meekum reported that it was its most successful Indianapolis auction in 33 years with 78% of the vehicles sold. There were 1,800 cars there. You could Jesus. not believe how much stuff was there. And the other thing, just personally, man, it was really good to get back to a big auction. Yeah. It was fun to get back to a big sale. Everybody was wearing face masks. You couldn't tell who anybody was unless you really knew them from the eyes up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one other thing. I'll bet all the COVID stuff with all the masks is just plain hell with uh, facial recognition technology.
0: Oh, I'll bet right now it's pretty crazy because you, you're just you're walking around in a world of Jesse Jameses.
1: Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> it's just, everybody. It's weird. Anyway, Meekum said that this was his most successful Indiana auction in 33 years. Nice. 78% sell through on 1,800 vehicles, showing a pent up demand for high value classic cars in spite of an economy ravaging lockdown uh due to covid-19 pandemic yeah. more than 70 million dollars with the classic and convertible uh, collectible cars uh, have been sold online by the world's top auction houses since the start of the pandemic so 70 million
0: online that's the that's where we're going
1: man well I, there's an argument to be made both ways yeah there really is uh convenience of online don't have to travel Don't have to go there. Don't have to be exposed to whatever's flying around at that particular auction. But there is something very tactile about seeing, feeling, smelling, crawling around in that just – it tells you a world that you cannot get over the computer. And this is coming from the guy who's had to to cover both in-person sales and online sales this year. One of the things that's odd about that. I can remember almost every one of the 1100 cars I've reviewed in person since I started doing this. And the cars that I've reviewed from online auctions, I have to go back and look them up
0: because oh, I, yeah. I don't,
1: I don't recall what they are, but every other car that I've written up because you get in them, you open the doors, you open the hoods, you look at them, you take the pictures, you ride them up, you're right there, you can see them, touch them, smell them, you got the whole thing. I can tell you where every car was at every sale, when the sale was, where the sale was, what car was sitting next to that car. I can tell you all of that stuff. It makes some kind of an imprint with me being able to be there. And I think it probably does that with sellers too. That said, There are a number of sellers out there, if they've got big money like that, there's a chance they're a little older and more susceptible to whatever COVID is doing and they don't want to be in that room. So seventy million dollars online uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. While Ferraris and muscle Fords are achieving high prices, the Porsche bubble seems to have popped after classic 911s scaled big heights over the past few years. Aww.
0: Hallelujah! I still want one. <laughs> get them cheap. Get them cheap. Uh,
1: at the most recent Gooding sale, a 1984 911 Carrera and a 78 Porsche 928 failed to reach their low price reserves, and a 71 911 in a rally style livery achieved a high bid of six hundred thirty thousand thousand dollars half it's 1.2 million dollar oh, estimate
0: Oh, well, but that was disappointing
1: well it's probably a 71 that's been retrofitted to look that way or competed like a privateer at the time yeah. if you take the real competition cars the real competition porsches from the early 70s the 2.7 rs's and rsrs there's those are still seven figure and eight figure cars you're not going to lay your hands on them yeah. Period. Uh, David Gooding, CEO of Gooding & Company, says, All things being equal, newer and better-known cars fare better in online sales than older cars. Gooding says, yes. uh, says the pandemic online sales are still a new world. There's still a lot of unknown. The market is good and strong, but you can't be totally bullish about everything. Yay. While high-end rarities are selling for record prices overseas, the local market for mid-tier classics is very flat at the moment, says Sean Feeney. CEO of Randburg Classic Car Dealership Ex- Executive Cars Sales are slow in that segment and prices have decreased for certain cars, indicating it may be a buyer's market. The lockdown has exacerbated a trend that's seen the value of cars like Porsche 911s and Pagoda Mercedes, another favorite, (laughs) uh, take a pounding in the past year. I still really want one of each of those. I think the Pagoda Mercedes is one of the few cars you can truly call elegant. Yeah. Uh, they are – it's a uh, 1964 to 1971 Mercedes SL convertibles. It was the Pagoda range.
0: Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, they, they just kind of
1: – Yeah. They kind of smell like money. Oh, I love those cars. And they made them in a variety of colors. Mercedes had some rather incredible metallic blues through those years. And you know I'm a big fan. So, yeah, those are, those are sexy. Air-cooled 911s. I've driven a handful of them. You've talked about that recently, too, just saying that you're really kind of. You cannot get your head around how well those handle. You just can't. They are amazing. It's like they're reading your mind. <laughs> Which they anticipate your every move. Uh, I, <laughs> daddy want, daddy want. Uh, there's some incredible stuff out there. Prices are in flux. Every time somebody says something, Oh no, those are going cheap. They'll find something to disprove that rule. Beware. Shop wisely. Do your research. That is the single most important piece of advice I can give anybody. Do your research. Know what you're looking at. Because the second you buy something that you are not completely educated about, you'll get a nasty surprise. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? You, you're supposed to check the birdcage on third gen Corvettes to make sure the windshield won't rot off. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to
0: TimesLive.co.za for that rather for that rather
1: lengthy but very informative. And I can attest to some of it. That it, that indie auction was just a lot just of wicked.
0: fun. <laughs> From FastMuscleCar.com, uh, these cars that you. Go Go out and buy. You know what? Do it for business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The article talks about reasons for saying how your new muscle car could be one of could be uh, one of the best purchases for your business. And I thought, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. Well, bring how that many in. of
1: those vintage pickups have we looked at and thought? We'll slap a business name on the door. This thing's a write-off. You know, not only do I love the
0: the massive, you know, land barges, but for uh, Magnificent Cowlick Media, uh, honest to God, I wanted it also to be an instant visual because I was going to put some of the business logos either on the hood or on the doors, you know, do it wrap style so Mm -hmm. that I'm not effing up the paint. And then uh, I could fit, when when I go to sales and sell books and, Mm -hmm. and go to these conventions... I could fit everything and a couple of friends just in the trunk. Yep. And that was part of the reasoning for it. I, I've kind of let go of that now and realized if I'm gonna get a car I better do it now before I friggin' die. But uh, uh- at this point, I I really wanted it to be part of the business, and this thing, this uh, article goes on to to explain it more. Uh, and, and I just thought it was kind of funny because if you if you want to write down some notes and then you can use this, bring it, baby, for your uh, <laughs> for when you're trying to tell your mate why you want to buy one of these damn things. All right, first impressions are everything when it comes to business, which does, not just first handshake and the greeting and the eye contact. Uh, first depression starts a moment you pull up in the parking lot and by arriving to the premises in a luxury muscle car, <laughs> you're selling yourself to the person you're having a meeting with. Uh, also, a sweet uh, – obviously not my price – muscle car also says you've already had a lot of success in business to be able to afford it. Now, I, like where I work full-time, the uh, the big boss, there's nothing less than a Mercedes. Really? Uh, under under his tutelage. And, um you know, it does kind of. It it has a cachet. It does when you roll up it, and especially because he gets the new ones. Oh well, I okay, I lied. He did have a new Jag. Oh well, for a while. And uh, <laughs> well,
1: and, and now we know he's a true masochist.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, you know somebody else was taking care of it; it wasn't his problem. But um, you know, you have a you have this look, and the fact that you're able to afford it, especially when you work in sales, uh, if your car is well maintained, it shows you're responsible. You're good at looking after things that are valuable to you. Hello, and you have an ID detail. Yeah, I, looking at you know the cars that you do, damn. You are detail oriented, sir. Uh, Yes. Fastidious. I I, I might be. Some people would call it mental illness. (laughs) Well, all these qualities will make whoever you're meeting more confident that they can trust what you're saying and more likely to want to work with you, according to this article. Uh Uh, Now, your ride can also help you make new contacts. We've, uh, you know, fallen into this. Oh, how
1: many conversations get started around uh, an old car or an old bike? And. uh, a good example. Well, Vlad has started more conversations than any car I've ever had. Inc- Sixty-one Impala, including that old Corvette, which just blows my mind. Really? Yeah. Well, well, Vlad is a more aggressive,
0: flashier thing. Well, yeah. The Corvette has that super classic cachet, but well, Vlad's like, I really want to eat all your firstborn. Yeah. Kind the, of cachet. the
1: Corvette, red, white cove. It's the poster car. It gets all that. There's lots of appreciation there. Vlad looks like it's going to come to your house late at night. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but they do start conversations. That old Harley that I bought for my summer project <laughs> with the cow seats on it, <laughs> people look at that and say, what is that? What the hell? <laughs> and then you've got the opportunity to stand there and say, hey, they only made these for one year. You know." No, you can start in on all that garbage. But yeah, they do. They absolutely start conversations, even if they're old and not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's something people want to talk about.
0: And what's surprising is how quickly it can establish common ground. Yeah. And that common ground is where you start making your connections. Oh,
1: everybody who ever sees you in that old Corvette wants to tell you about their unkies' monkles <laughs> 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 you know, They want to talk about yep. somebody they knew four times <laughs> removed that uh, – <laughs> He had one, and you're sitting there going. Wrapped
0: it around a tree, but it sure uh, was birdie. Yeah, it was awesome. There was also a number of events that you can attend. So that's, again, uh, yeah. and how we've uh, almost every show we've talked about how cool it is to go to car shows because you get to have these conversations. Yes. You get to just sit and chat about it. Uh, they had an example in the article. Fast Lane Drive is an exotic car club in San Diego where members are passionate about their cars and eager to network people with the people with the same interests. Yeah. So it's actually a car club with a bit of a focus focus on that uh, networking end of it and they they hold events all over the west coast for entrepreneurs and car enthusiasts to meet up and have fun brilliant
1: it, it is it is fun to find out that you're not the only one with this illness
0: <laughs> <laughs> and of course there's good old horsepower therapy mm-hmm uh, according to the article, it's important that you take time out of your busy uh, schedule to relax. And a muscle car offers you many different ways of relaxing. Yes. Could, maybe you want to change the scenery. You go out for a scenic drive, blow out some cobwebs, uh, go somewhere kind of pretty and just look for a while. Get away from your frigging uh, computer in that, your downstairs that, office. That absolutely works. 12 hours a GD
1: day. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. That absolutely works. You go out. You back out of the driveway before you've made it two blocks. You're like, this crap isn't that bad. Uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) And also people find that maintaining their vehicle relaxes them. I don't know about that. uh, (laughs) I've discovered it helps me kind of vent frustration because I curse a lot. Yeah, it helps you find new swear words. And uh, it's more satisfying, to be honest, yelling at oil and not in an
1: email. So. You yeah, know, I, there's some excuses for you. How many times have you been in the middle of working on a car and made up a new word, mother puss bucket? <laughs> <Yeah>. mother. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite guilty there. I've I've uttered that phrase more than a few times. <laughs> Wheel, muscle cars and trucks is telling us about the new Bronco that's coming. The new Bronco, the, the pretty new Bronco. Bronco yeah, that's everybody's coming. excited about the Bronco. Uh, they're saying it may be rather difficult to tune. Uh oh. Uh huh. Uh, the, the Bronco may feature the same level of cybersecurity hurdles as the C8 Corvette.
0: You know, that's something being that I'm kind of a village idiot. I, I hadn't really thought about just how hard it was, you know, because I go to um, uh, what is it, uh, Advanced Auto and borrow their little computer thingy and plug it into my pickup truck every time it blows a code to figure out what the hell's going on and if I can fix it. But uh, You know, I almost never have that problem in all
1: the old crap I own.
0: I know, right? It just, is it burning?
1: Uh, When Ford (laughs) announced that they will be offering over 200 accessories for the Bronco when it hits dealer showrooms. Oh
0: my god! (laughs) Wow, dude.
1: They are going to have, I'll bet you I'll bet you a lot of dealerships wind up having a standalone Bronco store. you Well, you're going to have to have a freaking Bronco kiosk in there with, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. all the little things, little pictures oh, yeah. listed. Oh, yeah. Jeez. They're going to – it'll be kind of like, – remember uh, when Marlboro used to offer Marlboro points?
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> and you could get uh, inflatable <laughs> kayaks and crap like that.
0: You could get green stamps.
1: Yeah, well, S&H <laughs> green stamps, exactly. Uh, it, it'll – Hey, listen, hey, if you're under 30, <laughs> you don't know what s h green stands are. I'll
0: my damn skee-ball tickets. I'll get some on my go. Penico. Ask
1: Go ask your parents about this. Uh, it, that was a great thing. Marlboro <laughs> offered points for uh, smoking cigarettes. There would be like five points on a oh, deck. Yes. And if you saved up 5,000 points or something like that, you could get a free inflatable card. Uh, Kayak, but you knew anybody who saved up that many marble points didn't have lungs enough to sit in that sucker and paddle just it. You know, way you can
0: inflate it and is, still
1: breathe. Hey, is is this thing heavy duty enough to take me in my iron lung?
0: <laughs>
1: oh, it's so wrong, but you're uh-huh. so right. Anyway, when when Ford announced <laughs> they'll be offering over 200 accessories for the Ford Bronco when it hits showrooms, they made it clear that it, they expect people to customize the SUV. Well, sure. However, tuning the Ford Bronco may prove to be a few Effort, the modern ECUs that control all of the techno wizardry are extremely complicated yeah. with serious cybersecurity and encryption measures to so morons don't screw with your vehicle by proxy. That is one of the things I've
0: wondered so much about modern cars that there's so much tech in it. You're you're looking at a dashboard that's now just a computer screen. Oh yeah, and there's a computer back there, and as much crap as I have to put on my little uh, uh, my old uh, it's not a three eighty six. I was about to say that I I built my own computer that I've been working on for eight years now. And I'm really worried about it because it's, it's, you know, lifespan is pretty much done and I'm still on, and I'm ashamed to admit
1: it. Windows seven, dude, I had to go to, uh, Micro Center last year and get a whole new tower because my old tower, I, I get a new computer every 10 years, whether I need to or not. Whether I need it or not. It yeah. <laughs> yeah, ain't broke. It don't need to be fixed. Oh, <laughs> shit. It, it do need to be fixed. <laughs> How come you have five external drives on this, you jackleg? <laughs> uh, anyway, I went and got one last year at uh, Micro Center. 800 bucks for a new tower. Is solid state circuitry. That's thing screams. Like other vehicles that allow OTA updates over the air, uh, like the C8 Corvette from GM, the aftermarket could be stonewalled from accessing the ECU from its cybersecurity measures. Now, I have a thought on this and we'll get to it here in a second. We have to walk carefully there because a lot of the systems interface with each other and the aftermarket doesn't always think about these interfaces, said Bronco program manager Jeff Seaman in an interview with Muscle Cars and Trucks. We're going to have to work with our strategic partners and make sure that they provide things to the customer that are certainly robust. There's a SEMA agreement where we authorize third parties to make engine uh, calibrations and updates, said Seaman. I think this is definitely an opportunity to explore as we go forward. We've got the OTA architecture in place for the Bronco, but how that works with third-party developers versus doing it in-house and internal updates is still something to see how it will work. That just says to me, what we're trying to figure out is how much money – we can get out of these oh, after I'm marketers. Sure, to I'm sure that will be part and parcel of anything they do. But don't worry, there's a 12 year old somewhere in their basement <laughs> covered by Cheeto <laughs> dust and tweaking on Mountain Dew Red that'll be able to, t- to use their tablet to break in by the time they turn 15. Uh, hell
0: yeah, you now, know that w- the the youth will bring us
1: to the future of it. <laughs> I, here, here's here's what I posited to you before we started recording, and I promise you this will happen. Yeah. Somebody will gut it. They will gut the whole system, and they will start over with modern 5.0 Coyote drivetrain and just do it from the ground up just like they're doing with the original first-gen Broncos. And you need only look at companies like Icon. uh, Oh, yes, yes. Icon 4x4. Our our friend Jonathan Ward. Yes. Or Gateway Bronco, our friend Seth Bergett. Look at either one of those companies and what they're doing. And they're using modern drivetrain, but they don't have all this crap. And I think there's something to be said for that. There's more than one reason that I drive – Mostly old cars. One, cheaper to buy. Two, cheaper to tag, cheaper to insure, yeah. all of that stuff. You know, my personal property taxes on all my vehicles combined is under $500. Oh, dude. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, and that's five cars and two bikes. <laughs> but three, I run into very little of this. I only have – well, uh, the Navigator has an, uh, an, uh, a port to plug into. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm having a a senior moment here and and on board. Is it OBT? OB? Whatever the hell it is. Anyway, uh, Navigator's got one. My F 150's got one. Rhonda's GTO's got one. But. And remember how many cars I sold last year to get down to the five yeah, down to now. Yeah, uh, Bronco didn't have one, sixty three Impala didn't have one, sixty one Impala didn't have one, Corvette didn't have one. Neither of the Harleys have one. They're both ancient. They got carbs on them. Uh, the you know <laughs> they'll they'll leak oil and vibrate parts off. Uh, I, I I I like technology. Uh-huh. in certain things. I want computers that are fast. I want car stereo systems that sound good. But everywhere else, I don't think we're making progress. Why? Why is my car accessible via internet? Well, doesn't
0: it require – well, okay, that I, I I think that's just for ease. That comes under the quote-unquote convenience. Yeah. But – isn't it through all of this tech is how they're figuring out how to squeeze out eleven, you know, eleven hundred horsepower uh, yes out no. uh, of four yes electric no. motors on on wheels and a and a power plant? Yeah, but why them? is that
1: accessible online? There's no reason for it. There's no good reason for it, except for the for the possible exception of uh, like with a Corvette on the recall on the Frunk, they can do oh yeah a software right. update over the air. Okay great why do I need a software update I, honest honestly god there's a point along uh, and it, it's a uh, first of all I just remember obD onboard di- diagnostics senior moment
0: is it obD stuff the stuff you take to make yourself feel better without all the uh, TCH or THC or
1: I thought that was CBD. <laughs> yes, it you is. You can get it. <laughs> and You can get it at CVS. I got
0: my. I got some OBD oil for yeah, my car.
1: I, I got some, <laughs> some OBD oil better. for the car. Some <laughs> CBD oil for <laughs> and me. It sleeps better. We and got it. it Air is longer. It, it's, we it's, got it. And we got it at CVS <laughs> down the BLVD. Uh, anyway, I. I I think there's a certain point at which technology becomes a double-edged sword. Yeah. It it can do as much harm as good. I'm sure there are people out there who would argue with me vociferously, and I'm sure they have some very valid points. But to that end, there will be a certain point along the car development timeline when I stop buying newer cars. Yeah. Well,
0: I think uh, the on-air thing, honestly, I think it's because it's in there no matter what. Uh, the modern uh, the modern car buyer wants that kind of connectivity. They want sure, to be able to sure. hook up their telephone to listen to the thing and to watch the TV while you're driving and, and crap like that. Uh, where I'm, I still plug in CDs. I have a friend of mine that makes
1: fun of my 1990s tech head because yeah. I
0: just I I burn my own oh, disk hey, and
1: put it in. We had this conversation about the Harley truck when I got it. It came with a CD player in it that didn't work real well, and I immediately switched it over. To a cassette player, because then you could get one of those adapters that would pick up your phone. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, in the one in the one breath, I'm saying I wouldn't have that in my car, and, and the first thing I do is make it so I can listen to all the crap that's on yeah. my
0: phone. <laughs> uh, now my stereo can have that, but for God's sake, keep my yeah. keep my pl- power plant well, out of your nasty connectivity fingers.
1: Yeah. And and again, <laughs> I'm sure there are people who would argue with me who probably have very valid points that I'm not considering. And the other thing is. Eventually, I'll get everything right on that Mercedes. It's got a cassette player in it and a multi-disc CD changer in it, and I use that same cassette adapter in that thing. And that car has all the crap on They were so far ahead of their time on that thing that – the stuff that was on there didn't show up in a lot of regular production cars for 20 years. Oh wow! So I've got those those options on What's that car got perfected. <laughs> okay, Re- reclining heated rear seats.
0: Oh my god, really?
1: Yeah, really. Electric headrests. <laughs> the the seat bottom on those will extend out from the seat back to support your legs if you've got longer thighs. And also make it so that you can sleep in that car. You can shut that car off, walk away, but turn the HVAC on and it'll run the AC for 20 minutes to keep passengers cool who are still on the car.
0: And don't the uh, rear passengers, if they slide their feet underneath the seat, they get their nails done? No, but there are vents under there. (laughs) I believe it. Uh, Of course. Of course there are. There are vents under there. So uh,
1: there's a reason that I keep trying to perfect this. God awful mercedes that that seems to hate me back uh but again, when everything's right on that, oh. <laughs> it's good, and, and it's it's, good. it's as good as new stuff is without all the Weird, electronic, <laughs> able to be accessed by some jerkweed kid in his mom's basement. Yeah. <laughs> True. It's like, it's, what the hell is that? It, it's, it's a car. D- it's going to be your neighbor doing it. that. He's going to walk outside covered with <laughs> chocodile dust and drinking a Capri Sun and he will have control of your car. <laughs>
0: happen. Well, you can find links to these stories and more on our blog at roadmuscleradio.com. We want to thank you for sharing your time with us as we yak
1: and laugh and
0: kid about grease gears and cool car stuff. There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you've got cool people like you to go on with it. So thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at RoadMuscleradio, at roadmuscleradio.com, and on Twitter. I'm Catfish Groves. I am the overly chatty Brett Hatfield. <laughs> we'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio go.